Hi, welcome to the ceremony. Bride or groom? Excellent. Please be seated right here beside Nashville anthems, dissecting 80s and 90s country music. I'll be the officiant of this joyous occasion. My name is Melton McMainerberry, and playing today's processional was the Okras. Catch them in a wedding reception near you. You know the drill. On Nashville anthems, we're married to the charms of 80s and 90s country music, and our project is to stick with it for the long haul, getting to the heart of what exactly it is that makes this era and genre particularly work. By focusing exclusively on the songs played on satellite radios, 80s and 90s country station, one at a time. Today, we give all our hearts to a powerhouse of the late 90s, Canada's own Shania Twain and her 1997 hit, From This Moment On. So, if you haven't already, why don't you pause me now and give From This Moment On a few close listens. And for what it's worth, we'll be looking specifically at the duet version with Brian White as opposed to the solo Shania Twain version. So anyway, without further ado, let's get into it. Let's start, as we always do, by giving credit where credit is due. From This Moment On was written by Shania Twain and her then-husband and still-famous producer, Mutt Lang, who of course also produced the song. Twain recorded the song with her duet partner, Brian White, who was himself a big deal at the time. And she included it on her huge, giant, blockbuster, massive, enormous, monster hit album, 1997's Come On Over. If there is anything that defined the sound of country music in the late 90s, Come On Over is it. Folks, Come On Over is the biggest album we've encountered on Nashville anthems so far, and That's really not doing it justice. Come On Over is the biggest album we will ever encounter on Nashville Anthems. Come On Over is, in fact, the best-selling country album of all time. Easily. I mean, really easily. The second best-selling country album of all time sold about 15 to 20 million fewer units. Let me say that again. Sold about 15 to 20 million fewer units than did Come On Over. That album, by the way, is its predecessor, Shania Twain's The Woman in Me. So Shania Twain, I mean, it's not even close. Shania Twain dominated country music in the mid to late 90s. All right, now, despite the data, the statement that Come On Over is the best-selling country album of all time is not without controversy, mind you, because people have questioned whether the album can be rightly considered country music at all. And it ain't my style to enter into that debate, and I'm not going to. But I wouldn't be doing today's selection from this moment on justice if I didn't acknowledge the heavy, heavy pop influence on it. Which, actually, if you've ever listened to Come On Over, and if you're listening to national anthems, you probably have, I think you'll agree that the album as a whole is significantly more country-sounding than this particular single is. Now, we'll get into the pop influence on from this moment on in this episode, but just to illustrate the point... Check out this piece of trivia. From this moment on, peaked at number six on the Billboard Country Chart and at number four on the Billboard Pop Chart. Can you believe that? This song actually charted higher on the Pop Chart than it did on the Country Chart. We've had some songs that charted top ten pop, but this is definitely the first that charted more pop than country. Now, that said, the song was played on country radio at the time, and it came up on Satellite Radio's 80s and 90s country station as I finished recording the Billy the Kid episode. That really happened. I really select the songs that way. So as far as I'm concerned, 
The song is, in fact, an artifact of 80s and 90s country music and therefore worth digging into on Nashville anthems. Anyway, I like the song. And for that matter, I like the whole album, Come On Over. It hits a sweet spot. The album does, that is. And the song just pulls off exactly what it's trying to do. So, you know, let's get into that. What exactly is From This Moment On doing and why is it so effective at it? In a word, what exactly makes the song work? Well, to me, this song is really all about generating drama through steadily building, almost throughout its long, over four and a half minute running length. The song is kind of all about this build. I mean, everything kind of does it, but let's point to some specific things that do it. And I say specific, and then I guess immediately I'm going to get general. But the main things that happen are that the musical arrangement gradually fills out over the course of the song, while the key shifts the song's pitch up a whole step twice. Let's walk through it. This song starts with this like otherworldly rubato section where Twain just kind of riffs on a melody in the key of G. I just swear that I'll always be there. I'd give anything and everything it's a really singular feature of the song, unlike anything we've heard so far on Nashville Anthems. And it points to the whole idea of drama. Because you can tell this section is really only there for dramatic effect. I mean, you can kind of tell what that dramatic effect is, right? The house lights are down, everything has gone quiet. And for a second, no one is quite sure what's going on. Then maybe a single blue-tinted spotlight appears in the middle of the stage, showing Shania Twain standing in a new, stunning evening gown that she wasn't wearing before in the performance. And she starts to sing these opening lines, a cappella, and everyone starts cheering, right? I mean, this is showpersonship every bit on par with Garth Brooks, if not beyond. I will love you with every beat of my heart. In fact, this may have more in common with Barbara Streisand or Bette Midler or or Madonna or fellow Eastern Canadian Celine Dion more than Garth Brooks. Twain is signaling to us from the outset that you're no longer watching an episode of Nashville now. You're watching an episode of VH1 Divas. But notice how sparse the arrangement here is. There's no rhythm at all, and it's almost a cappella. And live, it just feels like it would be. But there's some ethereal, like synthesized strings providing the atmosphere for Twain's ad lib. But it's all about the ad lib, and it's all about Twain's riff that she's doing here. So moving on from there, the arrangement starts to fill out just a little bit. It gets into a clear rhythm, at least, with some very light percussion coming in. Brian White also joins at this point, and he trades a line or two with Twain before they harmonize to end the first verse. You are the one right beside you. Is where I belong from this moment on. Second verse gets a little more groove to it, with the percussion coming alive a bit more, and a classical style acoustic guitar melody comes in to accompany the vocals. From this moment, I've been you also get some piano fills in there. The first chorus gets groovier still with the bass guitar coming in now. I give my hand to you with all my heart. 
and we get our first taste of this lick that will show up a couple more times. Can't wait to start. That's E A G in this key, or more generally, 6 2 1. This piano lick, too, it comes up several times and it's worth highlighting. That's E, F sharp, G. Twain and White are singing some interesting harmony there, too. Here's what's happening. The chord is E minor 7th, with Twain singing the melody B above middle C. That's the fifth degree of the chord. And White singing the D above middle C. That's the minor 7th of the chord. It's the color note, if you will. Interesting choice by him, or whoever told him to sing that note. Not the easiest note to hear if you're singing it. And his singing it creates some tension, actually, which the piano accentuates with the 1, 2, minor 3. E, F sharp, G. That 2 to minor 3 half step is the source of drama in any minor chord. Think the thunder rolls. So it kind of adds to the tension that White's minor 7th is bringing to the party. My dream. The chord then immediately changes to a C chord, but it's better than that. It's really a C major ninth chord. Pretty lush chord, right? And with some tension still built into it because of intervals like this and this sitting around in there. The vocal notes and piano notes are the same at this point as they were in the previous pass. Basically, the bass note just shifts under them and continues to build the tension because of the dissonance that it brings to the party. And then the song has like this mini climax of this section. I have to say the vocals are funny here. Definitely not textbook. Because they take a huge breath in the middle of the word because. Because But even that little technical snafu only adds to the sweet release when the tonic G chord shows up and White belts that G note out under Twain's same melody B. And that piano lick we've been talking about actually shifts up right there, too. With the chord change to G, it's 1-2-3 again, but this time the much brighter 1-2-major-3 in this moment of release. That's G-A-B. Actually, speaking of G-A-B, this is when the first key change happens as the song abruptly modulates from G-major to A-major for the third verse. And notice how even more rhythmic and percussion-heavy the song is here as well. And cue the 80s arena rock-style guitar solo. Now, the second chorus is, actually, time out. I'm saying verse and chorus, and that's not really quite how the song is stacked up. It's really more like an A section and a B section. I'm calling the A section's verses and the B section's choruses for what it's worth, though it's not really a chorus because the lyrics are different. Anyway, let's just go with it. But the second chorus, or the second B section, is predictably bigger than the first. 
And some of those licks that we talked about earlier are showing up again and now shifted to the new key of A. And you say, yeah, okay, this is great, Melton, we get it, build, 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 build. But where is it headed? Is there going to be like a big Whitney Houston-style dramatic payoff? From this moment. And the song stays gloriously all out like that for a minute before quickly pulling back and resolving to end the song. From this moment I mentioned VH1 Divas a moment ago. Anyone else remember that show? It's kind of a big thing in the 90s. VH1 seemed to show a lot of reruns of it. I remember that well. But that that's really the context that this style of building drama fits into. It's close to a Broadway show tune, right? Far closer to that than to George Strait, put it that way. But it's really all about the 90s diva style. Think Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, and of course, the queen of this style, the aforementioned Celine Dion. I mean, just for fun, you know, I mentioned that from this moment on, peaked at number four on the pop chart. Want to know it was number one that week? It was a song called I'm Your Angel, which was a duet, that's right, a duet, between R. Kelly and, you guessed it, Celine Dion. I'll let you go back and listen to that whole song on your own to see how it builds over its running length, although... I'll admit, it's not as dramatic in its build as from this moment on is. But anyway, here's the climax of that song. Don't you dare give up the fight. Oh, no. Just put your trust beyond the skies. I'll be Getting the context... And listen, I, I got to play this. Here's a clip from VH1 Divas in 1998. You've got on the stage Gloria Stefan, Mariah Carey, Aretha Franklin, that's right, Aretha Franklin, Carol King, because it's her song, Natural Woman, that's being sung, and none other than Shania Twain and Celine Dion joining them. Listen as Twain passes the mic to the huge voiced Dion for the song's climax. This is going to take you right back to 1998. Watch this. And again, that's the context of this. So, we've talked about the 90s diva drama of From This Moment On. Now I want to get more into the lyrics and the vocals, because... I mean, these lyrics are frankly remarkable for how little they say. 
It's the opposite of what we've noted over and over again about these 80s and 90s country songs, how they get to relatability by means of specificity. That's not really the case here. These lyrics are specific in that they're wedding appropriate. I mean, Twain even says for better or for worse in that beginning section. But other than that, these lyrics are really just strings of platitudes. We talked in the You Had Me From Hello episode about how rarely these country songs are straight-up love songs without some twist or some nuance. But there are some like that, and from this moment on, clearly falls into that camp. Listen to some of these lyrics. There's Twain's opening riff. I just swear that I'll always be there. I'd give anything and everything, and I will always care. The first verse. From this moment, life has begun. From this moment, you are the one. The line we looked at earlier. My dreams came true because of you. You're the reason I believe in love, and you're the answer to my prayers from up above. Get the picture? Really no specific details to ground the song like we've been seeing, which, by the way, Twain is perfectly capable of doing in her lyrics. The song That Don't Impress Me Much is a good example of that. But apparently that's not the goal here. Here Twain lets the lyrics take a back seat to the musical drama that we unpacked a moment ago. From this moment on is kind of all sizzle and no steak. I think by design. That's just what Twain and Lang were going for here, and it manages to work as a total package. I think there's some reasons for that. I mean, Mutt Lang is Mutt Lang, and the production quality on this song is just immaculate. Kind of worth the price of admission just for that. Certainly doesn't hurt. I think the real kind of differentiating factor this song has is the voice that delivers those lyrical platitudes. It's Twain herself. And all due respect to Brian White, who is an excellent vocalist and who holds his own with Shania Twain. But this is clearly Shania Twain's song, right? I mean, she owns it. It sounds like her song that Brian White is singing on, understandably, since, I mean, that's exactly what's going on. But it definitely doesn't feel like the other way around. There's such charisma in her vocals. Garth Brooks' level of confidence here, if not more so, with even some swagger, some like natural attitude. And Twain's voice is engaging. It's enthralling. It makes you want to listen. Listen to these couple of examples, how there's something almost talkative in her voice, but simultaneously accessible and unattainable. I give my hand to you with all my heart. I promise you this, there is nothing. And dare I say it, Shania Twain is sexy. Anyone want to argue with me on that? Put it this way, she definitely wouldn't argue with me on that. This is a woman who knew what she had in the late 90s, and she flaunted it. You can hear some of that in the way she attacks these notes. On both the beginnings and endings of her phrases, there are like these Elvis-y, Michael Jackson-y articulations. From this moment, It's like no fear, total ownership of the charisma she knows she possesses. One of those men wanted her and women wanted to be her kinds of things. Completely not incidental. This was the image she was going for, and mission accomplished. Notice too, I think this is worth pointing out, though she may have fit into that diva world, something notably more country about Shania Twain's delivery, in addition to a natural twang that was present in her timbre, Twain's twang, No? 
is that she doesn't go for some like soulful for the time anyway, female singing hallmarks that her contemporaries certainly did. In particular, Twain really doesn't use a lot of vibrato. Or melisma in her vocals. If you don't know, melisma is when you change notes, often many times on a single vocal syllable. Think Mariah Carey. Your summer shows, yes it shows. Not that Celine Dion didn't do her share too. But Twain doesn't really do that, though, and most other country singers don't either. Even big voices like Martina McBride and Faith Hill don't really do much melisma. And Hill will do some vibrato, granted. But still, overall, it's a noticeably different style that she has, and McBride has, and Shania Twain has, than the pop divas of the time that Twain was clearly influenced by. So, if you're keeping score at home, I'm not going to sit here and say that From This Moment On isn't a pop song, because clearly it is. But I'll stand by it as a country song, too. I mean, who said that it had to be one way or the other, anyway? But, either way, let's walk back down the aisle and right out the front door, because it's time to tie the knot on this one and find out what song we'll be looking at on the next episode of Nashville Anthems. To that end, I'm going to pull up Satellite Radio's 80s and 90s country station right now and see what's playing. We're going back to Garth Brooks. This is going to be his song, Unanswered Prayers. I look forward to getting into that one with you in two weeks. In the meantime, of course, you can write me at meltonmcmainerberry at gmail.com or look up National Anthems on Instagram or Facebook. Don't forget to tell a friend about us. Thanks so much for listening. Bye now.